This is Just Women, every Tuesday at one o'clock on Brooklyn's radio. I'm pleased to welcome to the show Liz Taylor, founder of Emotional Rescue. Hello there, Liz, and thanks for joining us. Hello, Jackie. Thank you for having me. And welcome to the Just Women show. So before we find out all about your work with Emotional Rescue, it'd be really interesting to find out a bit about your background, as I understand you come from a corporate background. Yes, that's right. So um, I trained as a company secretary 30 years ago and have had a career in that field in the FTSE 250 companies in media and property and retail for a number of years. And subsequently, about 10 years ago, I moved into the healthcare sector and then into the charitable sector, um, providing company secretarial support for boards of directors. All right. okay. so what suddenly happened that you decided to break away and start up your own venture? Well, like in with a lot of things that happen to people, I, um, you know, something triggers something and a change in life. And I um, lost Um, three of the most important people in my life and a friend um, in three years and I suddenly realized what it was like um, to have to deal with bereavement and all the things that we're faced when we have to close down someone's life and um, that's why I found Emotional Rescue because I want to make sure that um, the experiences that I have had and I have learned from that I will be able to help other people going through something similar. That sounds wonderful, because when somebody's going through a bereavement, they can't really think straight and to have to deal with all this red tape can be really devastating. Correct. Exactly. So you help love you help people uh, with the emotional, legal and practical matters arising at times of bereavement and loss. So um, how do you do that exactly? Well, first of all, I would um, there, there are a number of strings to my bow, so to speak, and it very much depends on what people need. I think we always need to remember that everybody is unique and their situations will be unique. So some people might come to me um, solely needing emotional support. Other people may come because they have they've suddenly been appointed an executor and they have no idea where to start. And I am able to help them with that. I can also um, carry out all the um, probate applications. And the other thing that's really important is I provide a really practical hands on help. So, for example, I'm working with a lady at the moment who um, whose husband died suddenly and she doesn't know where to start. So thankfully now without um with the, without the restrictions of lockdown i've been able to visit her and i have sat with her and we have waded through the papers together i've been through seven years of her husband's bank statements and i'm helping her prepare all the information that she needs right and so um that's obviously from the from the legal and the paperwork angle but what about the emotional side of it how do you help with that well, I've um, supported people with bereavement now for over five years, and I use a method called the grief recovery method, and I teach people tools to deco- um, recover from loss. Um, it's not counselling, although I have done bereavement counselling as well. So I have quite a broad background of supporting people emotionally. The grief recovery method is um, a series of actions that we guide people through that help them complete with perhaps things that they didn't say and they wish they had said and help them to um, say goodbye to the pain. And what's, can you give some examples of the sort of things that you advise people to do? Well, you see, there's a thing, advising people to do. I have to, we have to be very careful with that, um, that word advice. 
it depends on what you're looking at. If you're, if you are asking me um, advice to give to someone who has got a friend who's just bereaved, or are you asking me, you know, what to what to advise people when they're in the middle of all that grief? Well, if, if somebody's just lost somebody, I mean, for example, um, other people I've spoken to on the radio, um, they've talked about having a memory box where they put all the all pieces of personal belongings from their loved one inside the box. Yes, that can, that can work very well for some people. Um, we talk about, I often talk to people about um, something called continuing bonds. So we might reframe something. I often say to people, you know, the photographs um, that are in the photograph album, um, they might, some, for some people, that they may trigger difficult memories. But what we can do is to reframe them. So we might do something in a different way. So, for example, a friend of mine had always sang um, the Messiah at the Albert Hall at Christmas with her family. And when her father died, they did, they didn't feel able to do that anymore. But what they did is they reframed it. And she went, and in fact, I, I sang with her. So we've reframed that memory into a new one, but still retaining the memory of the past. It can be very therapeutic. Yes, that sounds absolutely lovely. And how did you personally get over your grief? Um, well, I had, I was very lucky in that I had great friends around me um, and without them I really don't know what I would have done um, they helped me um, you know bring some focus and keep me occupied at times and and basically kept me going and um, I will be forever grateful for them of course and so also we should talk about um, your training in before I go solutions can you tell us a bit about that Yes. So what I've found over the last few years is when I'm working with people who are bereaved is the really difficult thing is that people have left a mess behind them and not intentionally, because I'm sure none of us really want to um, want to do that. But that can cause more of the uh, complex grief is the is a word, a phrase I will use where they're trying to get over the fact that someone that they really love is suddenly not there, but actually they've got all of their life to close down. And this has become more and more important to for, for my work in that I want to educate people to understand what it's like when they're not here anymore. People think, oh, you know, I can just give them a, a folder, even if they've done one. But it's a lot more than that. So I have joined an organization called Before I Go Solutions. And as facilitators, we encourage people to make an end of life plan. Now, that basically covers everything from how the TV works to um, who needs to be told to what to what their um, legal um, wishes are to, you know, having powers of attorney to what their medical wishes are. It's very, very extensive. And um, I have a mission. We have a mission as an organization um, that we will make end of life plans as commonplace as birth plans. Right, because um, you, uh, might you get a bit of resistance, though, because, I mean, some people don't like to make wills, do they, because they're, they're superstitious? Right. Well, it's an interesting thing, because a lot of people, the lady that I'm working with at the moment, her husband died um, without a will, and that makes it even more complicated. Um, so, yes, um, there is resistance. But we will work with people, I think, um, particularly with COVID, when, you know, we've had more people have had more experience of dealing with death. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because no one wants to talk about it. But what I'm trying to do is to demystify the word and to stop the taboo and actually 
educate people, get people to understand and really ask people to think, do you want to leave your loved ones with with a mess behind? And, you know, what would it be like for you if you knew that everything was organized? And imagine what it would be like for them um, when they know that everything that you wanted has been left in order and that they can carry out your wishes. Right. And so at what age are you recommending people thinking about uh, having this end of life planning? Well, I think we should all do one. I don't think I think it's it's an interesting thing because the words go with, oh, you know, someone's got a terminal illness, so they now need to do it. And of course, I I actually worked um, at a local cancer charity for five years um, on the cancer ward in in my local hospital. And when people are at that stage, they're too tired and they can't think straight anymore. And that's when the conversations become even more difficult because um, people don't want to talk about it. And so what I say is that actually we need to be doing these things when we're fit and healthy. Right. Okay. And so and how much would that cost for somebody to, to put together an end of life plan with you? Well, we have um, we work in groups and um, we also work on a one to one. And at the moment, the group plan is two hundred and forty seven pounds and a one to one plan is four hundred and ninety seven. But what people get is they get on access to online resources. So it's not just me. Um, They will have an online platform that they can go into. There will be resources and tools to help them. And and then every week for a a series of seven weeks, we have a coaching session. And they can either be with a group of people that you put together yourself. Maybe you would like to do it with your family. Or it can be a group of people that you don't know. Um, I'm, I'm working with someone at the moment who's quite adamant that he doesn't want to be with people that he knows. Um, and then for people who want the intimacy of one to one, then I can do it. Um, you know, we do it on a one to one basis online. But I can also provide a more bespoke service where I would come into someone's house and help them wade through the papers and actually put everything together, um, because obviously there's a lot of work involved in all of this. Absolutely. And perhaps some of the relatives of these people approach you, perhaps, do they? Yes. In fact, I have um, two people at the moment who um, want they're they're working with me. Um, They've asked me to help them prepare the end of life plans for their for their elderly parents. Um, So they're putting the stuff together that they know they're going to need by using the programme. All right. That sounds a very, very good idea. Uh, So um, you said you were going to launch a new grief programme in March. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, um, I've been with the grief recovery method um, up until now, we've only been able to um, uh, present the program online and one to one. Um, But from March, I will also be able to do it in groups. We can do groups um, and one to one face to face. Obviously, we haven't been able to because of the restrictions that we've had. So I think it's going to be interesting over the next few months to see what's going to happen. Are people going to want to stay online um, and our people want to go want you know want to be going face to face right and so will this be like a sort of group support correct yes yes so, exactly. so people with all different bereavements can come to this group and discuss how they feel and and yes. share experiences is that how it will work that's how it works yes oh, I see and how long how many sessions will there be there um an online session um 
is if it's in a group, we know we normally allow for up for one to two hours, depending on how many people there are. Um, and the programme lasts eight weeks. Right. OK. And uh, so also looking at your website, though, it looks as though you don't only help people who are bereaved because um, in, on your website, it says um, whether caused by death, divorce, the end of a relationship, the end of a career, the death of a pet or other losses, losses and tragedies. You help people move forward. So what other um, situations do you help people with? Well, the programme that we um, that I teach for helping people with loss is for losses of all kinds. Um, I think what happens generally is people will find me because someone has died. But often when I actually I look at their full loss history and when we look at that, I often find that there's something else that's happened that they they want to deal with first. Um, And for example, I had a lady who um, had lost her son. Um, He'd become a drug addict, very sadly. And um, she came to me um, because she needed support with that. But actually, when we looked at her loss history, there were some significant losses that she'd had in her her very young life that had never been um, she'd never talked about um, and also later on in her life. So I'm open minded. I don't you know, people people make inquiries, but at, at the end of the day, the time is for them. And as I've said at the start, I treat everybody as being unique and I will help them as in, in any way that I can. Uh, For a bereaved person, what would you say is the most difficult thing they have to come to terms with? Well, everybody you speak to will say something different. For me, I didn't get to say goodbye. And I'm sorry to hear that. And for me, I will never forget the phone call. Yes, that's not, that can't have been easy. No, and I think that's the thing that we. Yes, we um, we recover and and, um, you know, we what I think is important is that people build lives around their loss. So I for me, my grief is part of who I am now. You know, I found meaning and and purpose from what happened to me. Um, But I can assure you, I'd much rather have my brother back. Of course. And of course, during the pandemic, so many people were unable to say goodbye, weren't they? Correct. And what's interesting is at the start of the pandemic, I was doing telephone support work. And it's really interesting because we have this thing that, you know, oh, we've all not been able to see each other. And, you know, being being in person um, makes such a difference. And I get all of that. But actually, the really interesting, Jackie, thing for me was that listening to people on the phone in their grief was so more more intimate it's hard to explain, really, because you have to listen so much more. There's there's nothing else around the, around you. You know, you're not seeing the person. I didn't even know what these people looked like. And so we would have to listen really hard at little nuances. I remember somebody one day there was a noise and, and I, I, I left the silence. And I said in the end, I said, um, you know, what was that? Where are you? And um, the lady said to me that she was lying on the floor in her bedroom. And she, like you'd said earlier, she'd suddenly seen her father's memory box and it was under her bed. So I said to her, would you like to tell me about it? 
And we spent the whole session with her taking everything out of the memory box and her sharing all of those stories with me. And it was a most beautiful time and very rewarding. And I, I just can't tell you how you know, rewarding it is when, um, when I do this work. Well, it sounds absolutely marvellous. Well, well, thank you so much for telling us all about that. And could we have your website details, please, so that people can get more information? Of course, yes. So my website is www.emotional-rescue.org.uk. It's important that you have the hyphen in there, otherwise you'll end up with a, a record. Um, and all my links to my social media are on there. And if anybody would like to talk about their end of life plans, getting their affairs in order, or in fact, anyone who's re- you know bereaved and would need support, whether that's emotionally or legally, I'd be very happy for anyone to book a call with me. Um, I offer through the website um, an initial chat. And the, the thing for me is to listen to someone's story and to work out what they need and to help them decide whether we're the right fit for each other and and where they need to go for everything that they need. Okay, well, thank you so much, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. That was Liz Taylor, founder of Emotional Rescue. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. 